Hello there, and welcome once again to Insight Peterborough. I'm Devin Wilkins. Insight Peterborough is a project of the local chapter of the Canadian Council of the Blind, and if you'd like to learn more about the CCB, either locally or on the national level, all you have to do is send an email to ccbpeterborough at gmail.com. That's ccbpeterborough at gmail.com. Well, we have lots to share with you today, so let's get going right off the bat. Have you ever thought of having to spend a whole day without a screen of some kind? There would be no phone, no computer, no TV, nothing. Well, that's exactly what Fighting Blindness Canada is asking us to do on March 19th for a fundraiser. Here's how Doug Earl, the president and CEO of Fighting Blindness Canada, explains it. Well, hi, Doug, and uh, welcome back to the program. Thank you, Devin. Great to be here. Now, for those listeners who haven't heard a previous chat with you that I have had, I've had a few of those. Can you explain what Fighting Blindness Canada is? Sure. So uh, Fighting Blindness Canada was formed when parents came together uh, because their child had been diagnosed with the blinding eye disease. And at the time, back in 1974, uh, they, they didn't know you know, what the biology was, what the role genes played. They were just told to go home and get ready for your child to go blind. And of course, as a mom or dad, that just wasn't good enough. Um, and they wanted to do something. So Fighting Blindness was formed uh, to fund research, to accelerate the discovery of treatments and cures, to prevent blindness and restore sight. And today, you know, uh, 46 years later, we're, we're the largest funder of vision research in the country. Wow. Now, uh, did it, um, uh, was it established with another name to begin with? Yes, uh, it's, it's had a history as, as our uh, mission has grown and developed. So it started as Retinitis Pigmentosa Foundation, uh, and then it became the Foundation Fighting Blindness, uh, focusing on retina diseases. And, and today it's called Fighting Blindness Canada. As, as our focus is with the 8 million Canadians that are living with a blinding eye disease that puts them at significant risk of losing their sight. So uh, diabetic retinopathy, age-related macular degeneration, glaucoma, cataracts, and of course, our legacy community is, is the uh, inherited retinal diseases. And I take it that there are several of those inherited retinal diseases, are there? Yes, there's uh, over a hundred diseases that research has discovered uh, that that are all different, different biologies, different symptoms uh, that that are out there. My goodness! Yeah, twenty over twenty one thousand Canadians are living with an inherited retinal disease. Is our is our estimate? Really? Wow, that In is Canada. a lot. Mm -hmm. Uh, so when you raise funds, which I, I know that, that you do, um, what do the funds 
do the funds um, fund uh, treatment or, or, or patient care or how does that work? Yeah, so the, the majority of our funding, uh, two thirds of our net funding goes to research. Mm -hmm. uh, so we're funding uh, uh, research that, that is there to help you know, better diagnose uh, like, for example, uh, we're funding Dr. Leet at the University of Waterloo, who's uh, developing an eye exam for babies and toddlers, because obviously the ABCs, uh, when you're about four, you can handle a, a regular eye chart. So there's a whole part of the population that doesn't know, and Dr. Leet is working on developing a gold standard to do that diagnosis. Huh. Uh, we, go, we go to other, other research projects. Um, we, we have uh, just announced in January uh, a three quarters of a million dollar grant to, to get across the line with stem cell treatments. Uh, and, and it's very close. We, we, had, a, we had four grants that, and, uh, and we did a second phase competition and this one was the most promising. So it got a three quarter of a million dollar grant uh, and, and to really to do the final tests that, that will enable them to go to Health Canada and the FDA in the United States to start human trials. Um, and that, that research grant, they already in the first phase, they've, they've been able to clear a pathway to about $100 million worth of private sector investment based on our, our research that we're funding. So we're very, very excited about, about grants like that. Um, and then we're doing things like, uh, you know, it, the di diagnosis for glaucoma of the of the end of, of your nerve when the optic nerve meets your eye is is not very clear, especially in imaging. So we're funding a, a research project out of Dalhousie to create the new standard to improve imaging. Because if you can see what the problem is, then you then you know what to target to fix. And so that that's our glaucoma grant at, at the University of Dalhousie. Uh, university in Halifax that we've that we're funding. Wow, that's a, a lot of work that uh, you're um, uh, providing funds for. That's for yeah. sure. Well, well, Devin, uh, we could spend six hours. I know, I know your show's not that long, <laughs> but we could spend six hours uh, talking about all the research. Well, over thirty-four grants this year we're funding because thanks to donors. Uh, and they're all outlined at our website, fightingblindness.ca, uh, mm -hmm. each of the 34 grants uh, and some on all the different diseases. So in the back of the eye, the front of the eye, uh, the optic nerve, the doing diagnosis. So it's, it's quite, quite a, a, a wide breadth of research projects that donors have made possible thanks to their support. And do you get any government funding? No, we do not get any funding from government to support our research programs. Mm -hmm. So it's entirely dependent on the generosity of Canadians, wow. which we're so appreciative of. Yes. And when a researcher comes up with, uh, um, you know, a suggestion of what would work, do you find that um, our government is very receptive to that sort of thing? Well, it's, it's interesting, you know, the Canadian Institutes of Health Research has a billion dollars in its budget, over a billion dollars now with the COVID money. Um, and in 2019, when we, when we looked at it, we could only find 
just just almost $21 million being dedicated to vision research. We used well over a hundred terms uh, around all the diseases, uh, all, the, all the retina, the eye, and we could only find $21 million out of that, that over a billion dollars being invested by the federal government in health research. Wow. So, which, which, which is, you know, just, just um, so disappointing because when we looked at in 2019, the social economic impact of the 8 million Canadians living with a blinding eye disease and, and included in that 8 million is 1.2 that have incorrectable uh, vision loss. We can't, treatments today don't, don't restore their sight, which is what the focus of research is. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and so that, that social economic impact was $32.9 billion just in 2019. To think that that out of a billion dollar health research budget, only twenty one million dollars is going to vision research, is 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 just you know, just so disappointing, and and really given the numbers have been growing, the number of people that have uncorrectable vision loss has doubled in the last decade, oh. you know, and and as our population ages, we're anticipating that number to grow to two million by twenty fifty. Yeah. And the thirty-two point nine billion to grow to fifty-six billion in twenty nineteen dollars. So we're, you know, the government needs to step up. We're, I mean, we submitted uh, briefs for the federal budget uh, to the finance committee to the to the Ministry of Finance. Uh, you know, we're we're working hard to make sure that that they understand more needs to be done uh, with federal investment in in vision research. But that, that's why it's so important. And we're so thankful for our donors on Fighting Blindness uh, Canada because, because they're, they're the ones, we're, we're the trailblazers as the largest charitable funder of research in the country. It's really too bad that governments don't step up to the plate because it would end up saving them money in the long run. Uh, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. We, we found... So we, we've been funding research, of course, for 40 plus years. And one, one of the advances is the anti-VEGF uh, treatments for age-related macular degeneration and diabetic retinopathy. Mm-hmm. So well over 100,000 Canadians have their sight stabilized. They're not, they're not losing sight uh, because of this uh, research uh, or this treatment that research has delivered. Uh, and, and that we experienced, when we looked at the costs, we experienced that the, uh, the cost for vision loss, it just uh, the direct cost, it was about a billion dollars more in pharmaceuticals. But, but despite the fact the number of people have doubled living with vision loss, uh, the, the cost, the direct costs were flatlined, even despite the drugs going up a billion dollars. You know, the, the total cost was about 15.6 billion a decade ago. It's it's 15.9 now. So, and, and yet we have double the number of people that have that 1.2 million was about half a decade ago. So research is creating treatments that are slowing down people going from mild to medium to severe vision loss. Of course, severe vision loss is blindness. Yeah. But, and that, and that's what, because we have more people now in the earlier stages and, and medications because of research are slowing down that vision loss, it's costing the system less. So absolutely, Devin, you're exactly right. If they invested in new research uh, to find better treatments that we can prevent blindness 
and restore the sight of those 1.2 million Canadians, uh, if we change our health policy, we could have a major impact on the cost of healthcare uh, as a result. And we've proven it that, that, that that's, that's the case. I, I wonder why they don't. Well, a part of it is the community needs to step up. So mm -hmm. we, we have a website called stopvisionloss.ca and there's a petition there and we're inviting Canadians to sign the petition uh, that we can uh, share that with government to say, we need a national vision health plan. We need a, a vision desk in at Health Canada to coordinate the government's efforts. You know, we need to invest more in research. We need better access to treatment. We need better uh, early, uh, regular eye exams covered, not, not just for the young and the old, but for adults as well, because that's how we can diagnose early, that research has delivered treatments that three out of four people who are diagnosed early don't have to lose their sight. They don't have to go blind. Wow. And, and so we need, if, but it's important to be diagnosed early uh, in the, where, when those blinding eye diseases start impacting your sight so we can stop, stop it. So that's stopvisionloss.ca, encouraging all, all Canadians to go to the website, sign the petition and help us tell government that they need to act. Do the provinces have anything to do with this or is it mostly the, the feds? No, it is, it is all levels of government, your mm -hmm. local municipality, your, your provincial government. Uh, we're, you know, a part of this petition is we're sending it to the prime minister and we're sending it to the premier in your, in your province. So that, that's, a, so we're multitasking. You get two, two, two uh, plugs uh, for a vision health plan, one for Ontario, one for Canada, when you, when you sign the petition. Terrific. Yeah. At stopvisionloss.ca. Okay. All righty. I'll get you to repeat that closer to the end of the program, probably. Mm -hmm. um, moving on now, though, you do have a fundraiser coming up on, I believe it's March 19th. Is that right? That is correct. It's, it's called Screens Off for Sight. So we, we have been uh, living with this pandemic for over two years. It's hard to believe, but it's been, been two years. Uh, and, and, you know, there's been lots of uh, studies now about the impact of the pandemic on people's eye health. You know, Statistics Canada in 2020 found that over 60% of Canadians had increased their TV time. 63% were spending more time on, on the internet. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, over half were spending more time playing video games. And just at Western University in London, Ontario, just last year, they produced a study that uh, the average child is spending 3.2 hours more looking at screens now with homeschooling, with, with just not being able to do all the recreation and exercise and other things. So, so screen time is up. Uh, teens have increased their screen time by seven hours oh, wow. uh, a, a day. Um, you know, those video games, I guess. Yes. Uh, so so that, that's had an impact on people's screen health. And we're running this uh, FBC screensoff.ca is, is the program. Uh, we're encouraging people to take the challenge. 24 hours. And if, if uh, you know, if, if I wasn't on radio right now, you would see my hand shaking, you know, not being able to use my cell phone, 
not watching TV, not being on the internet, you know, for 24 hours. And I'm doing that because, and, I'm, and we're inviting Canadians to do that because we want them to share the, some, some of these eye health tips to your friends, your family, and encourage them to support critical vision research that Fighting Blindness Canada is funding. Mm-hmm. So we, we have some great, we have some great strats because we know, uh, for example, the Canadian Optological Society is, is saying that up to 90% of adults are, are that who use their phones and computers constantly are experiencing uh, the impact. So eye fatigue, headaches, interrupting their sleep, exercise, red eye, dry eyes, eye fatigue. Yeah. And, and, you know, and a part of that is because they're not blinking. Uh, so when you're, when you're not looking at a screen, you blink on average about 12 times in a minute. Mm-hmm. When, when we look at screens, we seem to forget. So we, it, the average that they found was five times uh, an hour or a minute, sorry. Mm-hmm. And so that, that, you know, that's, that's one of the big things is remembering to blink. And that comes into a rule uh, that we say the 2020-20 rule that the Canadian Association of Optometrists mentioned. Uh, you know, it, for 20 minutes looking at a screen, look away to something that's 20 feet away for 20 seconds at least. Oh. So the 2020-20 rule, that, that'll improve your eye health. You know, how, how train yourself. Put a little stopwatch uh, that counts down 20 minutes. Okay, I got to look away. Uh, yeah. Look at something 20 feet away for 20 seconds. And that'll improve your eye health. And, you know, if you're like me, I spend at least 10 hours on Zoom every day. So I, I have to constantly remember to do that, um, to blink. And, you know, in the positioning of lights, of, of, uh, of your screens, uh, you know, the one, one, two, 10 rule. So, uh, keeping your phone at least one feet away from you, uh, your computer screen at least two feet away, uh, your TV, depending on the size, at least 10 feet away. And that helps with your eye health. It helps with being able to focus uh, and being able to, uh, you know, to help reduce your eye strain. And of course, the most important thing I saved to last, and that is getting a regular eye exam. Uh, because that that's how you diagnose if you're if you're if you have a blinding eye disease or if if that blinding eye disease has started down the path to blindness and getting a regular eye exam can can get you access to those research delivered treatments that three out of four we can stabilize their sight today thanks to research yeah that's that's interesting my goodness yeah. So, so how, how does this screens off for sight work then? What yeah, so we're, we're inviting Canadians to take the challenge for 24 hours. So starting uh, at 6 p.m. on Saturday, March 19th to Sunday, March 6 p.m., March 20th. So the spring equinox. Uh, mm-hmm. And we're, we're asking you to turn off the screens. You know, read a book, go for a walk, play cards with your family, uh, take your dog for a walk. Like there's lots of things we could do to rediscover uh, because it's the spring equinox. Hopefully the weather will be well, or it's the spring equinox. Let's start spring cleaning. You know, there's lots of things you could do that you don't need to, to have with the screen. So can you take the challenge, share the, all these health, eye health messages with your friends and family, neighbors, 
and ask them to support critical vision research that can help prevent blindness and restore sight for the over 8 million Canadians that are impacted. So are you suggesting that uh, they get uh, uh, sponsors for uh, every hour that... Uh, you... There's an idea. <laughs> yeah, so a dollar, a dollar an hour or maybe $2 an hour yeah. uh, would be great Yeah, to say, you know, if you can hold out for 24 hours, not looking at your phone, the TV screen, uh, your computer screen, then that would be that then you've accomplished the challenge. You've raised raised awareness to your friends when you send out the email that we have set up for you off of uh, fbcscreensoff.ca. Or uh, and and also uh, just just challenging your friends to to contribute to critical vision research that is that is transforming people's lives. And uh, where should they go if they want to contribute? It's uh, fbcscreensoff.ca. So fbc and s c r e e n s. Uh, off off.ca okay. all one word yeah mm -hmm. and that that's that's the website you get helpful tips find out a little bit more about iHealth you can sign up send emails to your friends and family and they can help support you to motivate you to do the 24-hour challenge without screens terrific how many uh, do you know how, how much you raised last year uh, when you did this well, overall, last year, we raised about $6 million across Canada to support Fighting Blindness Canada. All right. And more, more uh, about 54% of that went to our mission programs. So, so it's a good investment. Yeah, terrific. Mm -hmm. Okay, so let's go over some of these websites that, that you've been uh, <laughs> yes. giving, and just so uh, people have a chance to... Uh, write them down and kind of uh, sort them out in their heads. Sure. So if you're looking for just information about Fighting Blindness uh, Canada, uh, the research we're funding, uh, some our upcoming viewpoint webinars about to learn more about uh, vision health, the, the latest in treatments and research, that can be found at fightingblindness.ca, all one word. Okay. Uh, if you would like to sign our petition for uh, to en encourage the federal government and provincial governments to uh, develop a vision health plan, improve our access to treatments and to uh, early detection through a regular eye exam being publicly funded, then that's stopvisionloss.ca. So stopvisionloss.ca. Okay. And, and if you would like to help fund critical research, if you'd like to make all this possible, uh, please join with us in Accept the Challenge for fbcscreensoff.ca, so fbcscreensoff.ca, to join the challenge, share the eye health messages with your friends, and encourage them to support this critical vision research. Wonderful. Yes, uh, it is, Devin. Yeah, you bet. Well, thanks so much for chatting with us about this, and uh, I'm quite sure that uh, we'll be chatting again, maybe about the viewpoint websites that you're talking about or discussions or whatever's happening, uh, you know, throughout the year. I'm sure we'll be chatting about the, those. Yes, happy, happy to share the news about the work Fighting Blindness Canada and our vision partners are doing, Devin, with you and your audience. So thank you for your time. Thank you, Devin.
That was Doug Earle from Fighting Blindness Canada talking to us about Screens Off for Sight. Have you been watching the Winter Paralympic Games? Uh, I certainly have. Um, I've just barely gotten over my case of Olympic withdrawal, and uh, now the Paralympics are here, thank goodness. But if you're a little annoyed with uh, coverage, or the lack thereof, AMI, Accessible Media Incorporated, has a solution for you. They will be offering 40 hours of coverage of the Paralympic Winter Games, and all of their coverage will be described. Greg David talks to us about that. Well, hi there, Greg. How are you this morning? And thanks so much for um, coming to the program again. Oh, no problem. Always great talking to you, and uh, thanks for having me on. So before we start talking about the Paralympics, um, just for those who maybe haven't listened before or haven't managed to catch any of the interviews that we've done, can you uh, tell me what AMI is all about? Yeah, absolutely. Happy to. So AMI is a not-for-profit media company. So we're just like the CBC or CTV or Global or City TV. Um, but we're, how we're different is that we entertain, inform, and empower Canadians who are blind or partially sighted. Um, we have three broadcast services in Canada. One is AMI-TV. The second one is AMI-audio. Those are those two are in English. And then we have AMI-TELE in French. And we just offer programming for the blind and partially sighted community and disability community. Um, uh, either, uh, you know, folks on camera that are members of the disability community or working behind the scenes um, from the disability community or, or both in, in a lot of cases. And uh, if you have basic cable, then you already have AMI in your cable lineup. And if you are an online person, you can go to ami.ca and uh, stream our programming there, or you can download the AMI-TV app and stream it there. Okay. Um, I've often thought <coughs> with the, with the uh, AMI-TV that um, it's quite a coincidence that AMI, of course, is friend in French. Mm -hmm. Yes. I, I like that. It's a, it's a great coincidence, isn't it? I love it too. Yeah. <laughs> so I understand that um, AMI is going to be uh, covering the Paralympics. Uh, how, or as far as uh, providing uh, descriptive um, uh, uh, a description well, just, of what's going on. Yeah. 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 yeah it's uh, this is a, another partnership that we've made with the fine folks over at CBC. So what AMI is going to be doing um, uh, over the next week is that uh, we're going to be broadcasting CBC's feed of the winter, uh, the 2022 Winter Paralympics in Beijing on AMI TV and on AMI audio. It all kicked off on Friday uh, with the opening ceremonies, which will be broadcast live. And then uh, on Saturday, 
Saturdays and Sundays, we are offering um, programming at six, uh, six from six to 10 in the morning on Saturdays, and then again from four to six in the afternoon. And then Sundays, uh, you know, basically in the morning and then late afternoon. And then every weekday, we're going to be offering uh, highlights from three to six p.m. So basically, uh, beginning with Friday, March the 4th, all the way to Sunday, March the 13th, with the closing ceremony, uh, AMI is going to be uh, broadcasting um, the uh, the Paralympic Games on AMI TV and AMI and AMI audio. And like you said, uh, what makes it a little bit different is that all of this programming is going to be live described. So uh, in addition to the play-by-play people and the broadcasters that will be presenting and talking about the programming um, or, or what's going on, uh, there will be a third voice that will be there to uh, really paint that picture of what's going on on screen so that it really is a truly inclusive experience and really helps you cheer Team Canada. Yeah, definitely. And uh, you've been doing this now. AMI has been doing this for the past couple of uh, Paralympic uh, Games, haven't you? Yeah, absolutely. We have. Um, it's it, Again, it's a great partnership that we have with the CBC that allows us to do this. And yeah, we've been doing it. I've been with the company now for, it'll be coming up on four years, and we've been doing it every year since I've been here. And the other interesting thing is, and what I think is great, are that the number of hours of broadcast continue to go up. So this year, um, we have over 40 hours of programming uh, for the Paralympic Games that'll be available to everybody. And uh, and we're just seeing those numbers creep up every year. And, uh, and which is very exciting. Yes, because before that, there was really not very good coverage of the Paralympic Games, uh, especially when you compare them to the Olympic Games. Yeah, and that's a frustrating thing I know for our audience as well. And I think it's it's a it's a challenge that you know the CBC and other broadcasters need to meet. Uh, if you're going to you know show a hundred hours of uh, Olympic Games, then you should be showing a hundred hours of Paralympic Games. Um, I think that you know not only does that just kind of spread the word about the great Paralympic athletes that we have in this country, mm-hmm. but it's also going to be a huge education as well. I mean, watching a, a, a sledge hockey game, I would argue, is a lot more exciting than watching a regular uh, Olympic hockey game and so there's there's not only is it entertaining but it's also educational you can learn about these sports and learn about these para athletes who are phenomenal phenomenal athletes and they uh, participate in so many sports like as you say sledge hockey and uh skiing para skiing Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. or blind skiing or uh, blind curling uh, curling yep yep Mm -hmm. yep I'm I'm looking forward to the day when they have uh, blind ice hockey as well. I don't know when or if that will ever happen, but I'm hoping. Yeah, yeah, that's a very good point. I hadn't thought about that. You know, we uh, we have a great partnership with Canadian Blind Hockey. And yeah, it would be great to, to see blind hockey uh, uh, added to the Paralympic Games, too. I was hoping that I could get an interview with somebody from Blind Hockey about that. And I I wrote them, but I haven't heard anything back. Well, you let me know who you reached out to. Uh, Send me an email and I can connect you with the right person. I can I can give those people a gentle push as well. Oh, okay, that would be great. I think I just wrote to info because that was the only uh, email address that I could find. Okay, well, I can set you up with an email of somebody specific that you can talk to. Wonderful. Thank you. I appreciate it. You're welcome. You're welcome. (laughs) So going back to the coverage that you're providing, 
uh, that will mean that some of your um, usual programming will be exempted or, or preempted. That's the word I'm looking for. Yeah, that's you're absolutely right. Um, throughout the uh, throughout uh, the week, um, uh, Kelly and company will be on hiatus. Um, the the week uh, in between the opening and closing ceremonies, uh, because we will be having those highlights on there. Um, but uh, then Kelly and company will be back at full force after the Paralympic Games have uh, have wrapped up. Yes. Now you said in the afternoon the coverage is from three to six. So what will be on AMI? Uh, at two o'clock when Kelly and company usually comes on. Yeah, so we'll either have a repeat of Kelly and Company that's been edited down to an hour, or we'll uh, we'll provide alternate programming during that time slot. Ah, uh, okay, all right. Well, that sounds terrific. So, can you just go over the schedule again? Uh, sure. we, we will have already had the uh, by the time people hear this, the uh, opening ceremonies will have played, but um, can, can you go from there? Yeah, absolutely. And then I'll direct you to a, a page that you can visit for the full schedule. Okay. So on uh, Saturday, March the 5th, we'll have uh, live programming from 6 until 10 a.m. Eastern. And then again, from 4 until 6 p.m. Eastern. And then on Sunday, March the 6th, it'll be at 6 from 6 a.m. to 9.30 a.m., and then from 3 until 5 p.m., and then every weekday from 3 until 6. And then on Saturday, March the 12th, we'll be back on the air live from 6 a.m. until 10 a.m. Eastern, and then from 4 until 6 p.m. And then Sunday, the last day of the Paralympic Games, we'll have the closing ceremony on March the 13th from 6 until 10 a.m. Eastern live, and then there will be a wrap-up highlight package from 2 until 4 p.m. And if you wanted, if, uh, you know, I was going to quickly for you there, if you go to ami.ca slash 2022 dash Paralympics, the schedule's there, as well as a little bit more uh, information and a link to the CBC site as well. And that website address again is ami.ca slash 2022. So the number 2022 dash Paralympics. Wonderful. Uh, is there anything else that I should uh, have been asking you about? No, I don't think so. I'm just I'm looking forward to cheering on Team Canada like everybody else. And yeah, uh, yeah. if you want more information about AMI and what we do, just head over to AMI.ca. Wonderful. Uh, thanks so much, Greg, for being with us and uh, giving us all those details. And I, for one, am going to really enjoy this. Thanks so much for having me. On Friday, February 25th, the Peterborough Council for Persons with Disabilities had a momentous announcement to make, and I was able to uh, get there thanks to an invitation with my trusty recorder, and uh, this is how it all played out. Congratulations to the PCPD for having been awarded this grant. My name is Lois Tuffin and I'm a board member for the Council for Persons with Disabilities, which is a wonderful organization. And in case you're not familiar with us, our mission is twofold. One is to help 
break down physical barriers so that people can get into places to, to experience the community just like everybody else. The second one is to educate, to change local culture, to remove those mental barriers that limit people who live with disabilities. And we all have them. Anybody in this room is wearing glasses, anybody here who has had a mobility issue, you're one of us. So. To do all this work, we rely on our friends, and uh, those in political circles and beyond. So you're going to meet some of our friends today when they come up and speak, uh, but I also want to recognize Carla Sampson, who is here from the Peterborough County Warden's Office, because uh, that's a, another good friend in our circle. So thank you, friends. We have some exciting news to share, and i got to tell you, it is so refreshing to be in a room with people. Yeah. <laughs> so this is great. So, uh, Andrea, I believe that you are the first person to, uh, to come to the podium today, and representing us today from the city of Peterborough is uh, City Councilor Keith Riel, who's a former CPD board member. Mm -hmm. It's really wonderful to have you back in the room, Keith. Thank you. So, Andrea, please. Thank you. Um, I'm Andrea Dogworth, and I'm the chair of persons with the, the Council for Persons with Disabilities. I would like to welcome everyone here today, also to MPP Dave Smith and Minister of Seniors and Accessibility, Mr. Raymond Cho. This funding um, and our new virtual reality equipment will really give our Time in My Shoes program the tool boost, it needs to enhance it even more and take it to to a new level and make it and make our toolbox complete. We are honored to have you with us here today. Thank you. Now you're going to find out more, but just wait. Keith, you want to bring greetings? Thank you very much, Lois, and certainly uh, it's great to be here. Certainly as a former board member of CPD and certainly uh, the first chair of the Accessibility Advisory Committee for the City of Peterborough. Um, accessibility is a huge issue and certainly uh, you can see some of the people that are here in the audience today. And certainly I think um, the news today is great news, and certainly uh, on behalf of the City of Peterborough, on behalf of our worship and City Council and the citizens of Peterborough, I want to welcome um, the Minister Chu to Peterborough. And certainly um, one of my portfolios also is the seniors' portfolios, and we'd love to have you for that, too, to come in the City of Peterborough. But we're here about uh, accessibility, and certainly I think this is great news, and I said it bodes well for um, this cohort of people that absolutely need this here, and certainly I look forward to this announcement. Thank you very much. Thank you, Keith. Uh, John, you're going to introduce our special guest. John McNutt, who is the Executive Director for the Council for Persons with Disabilities and a wonderful advocate for us all. Good morning. Morning. At the very least, you're all extremely patient. Hey, I can get rid of this. <laughs> what a privilege it is to introduce uh, 
the minister. Um, we met on a Zoom call about a month ago when he did a limited announcement of this uh, exciting grant. And without me saying anything about it, I'll leave that to him. Um, minister comes to us uh, with a very strong background in both government and the not-for-profit world. He landed here in Canada in 1967 from Seoul, Korea, South Korea. As a newcomer to Canada, he worked in three different jobs simultaneously, a miner, a waiter, and a janitor. I think I've heard this kind of story over and over and over again. What, what a great um, advertisement for immigration in, in our country. He's earned two master's degrees in social work and in education, followed by a doctorate in counseling of psychology from the University of Toronto. He then thought about pursuing a career in politics and was first elected to the Metro Council in 1991 and then thought he better go back a few times to get it right. So eight times he ran for election and of course was successful each time. He was elected to the chair of the Board of Management for the Toronto Zoo. We could use some of your help in that area down here. I often think that I run a zoo every day. Um, he then ventured into provincial politics in the riding of Scarborough Rouge River and became the first Korean member of our legislature in Toronto, in Ontario. Aside from public life, Mr. Cho is also heavily involved in advocating for humanitarian causes and strives for fair and equal treatment of all people. That's words to the ears of people in this room, I can tell you for sure. In 2010 and 2012, he put together a group called Global Leadership for Youth, and he led groups to the Philippines, and, and uh, that's a, that kind of thing is just a wonderful initiative. Minister and his wife have lived in Scarborough. Have you made up your mind yet or not? He tells me you've been there 45 years. Is that, that's not temporary. <laughs> okay. He's got three children, and he's got six grandchildren. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Mr. Raymond Cho. Good morning, everyone. Good morning. Good morning. Uh, please pardon me for being late here. Uh, we're caught in traffic, the beautiful weather, and I had to attend the cabinet meeting. So. I have a good excuse for little You know, first of all, John, thank you so much for your warm, kind introduction. The best part of my job as Minister for Seniors and Accessibility is when I come out to local community and meet the real people here. So when I see so many people, you already made me feel very important. I know this is a very important event. So thank you so much for inviting me here. And uh, I'm grateful to be joined by my good friend and my favorite MPP, David Smith. <laughs> what an exciting event today. 
I want to congratulate John uh, McNutt for all of the hard work he has done to make this event and this program a success. Pardon me. John, you are doing amazing work at the Council for Persons with Disabilities. You know, everybody, when we live alone, we all become seniors. And when we become seniors, eventually, whether we like or not, we have some form of disabilities. And that's why, as a Minister for Seniors and Accessibility, events like this one, talking to council uh, for people with a disability, most important for me. John, you are doing amazing work at the Council for Persons with Disabilities. And this event is proof of that hard work. It is so nice to, to see someone who is passionate about accessibility receiving funding for a project that will make a huge difference. And this enabling change in funding will make huge difference. Time in my shoes business program virtual reality experience is enabling people to have a first-person experience with the 21st century technology. Before I come to, to the end of my uh, congratulation remarks, I'd like to say a few words about your MPP, David Smith. I've been in politics uh, over 30 years, 25 years as Toronto City Councilor, and five years as MPP. I said earlier, UMPP David Smith is my favorite MPP, and I really meant that. I like politicians working so hard. I've never seen any politician working harder than your MPP David Smith. Thank you so much for your hard work. Not only hard work, he gets respect from politicians regardless of their party line. When you MPP David Smith stands up in the house, everybody pay attention to what he says. I do for sure. And uh, today I see you are not only working so hard at Queen's Park, I bet you're working so hard in your writing. You know, I could see so many people and supporting you. And thank you for what you're doing to make Ontario more inclusive for everyone. I'm saying this to my MPP David Smith and the Chair of Council for People with a Disability, John, keep up your good work. You know, when you make your, your community better place for everybody, you are actually making better country. Canada the best country. You are even making better country. And thank you so much. Okay.
it's swollen like my belly. <laughs> it's uh, fairly big. Thank you so much, uh, everyone, for coming today, and thank you so much, uh, Minister Cho, for your words. Uh, there, there's a TV show that I think all of us know, but it is so true. Everybody loves Raymond. <laughs> thank you. I thought about what I was going to say, and, and there were a number of different things, a number of different approaches uh, that I was going to take with this. But the reality is, I'm like a kid in a candy store. I truly am, because when we finally make what the announcement is, and you get to see what that stuff is, it's so cool. It truly is so cool, because it gives everybody an opportunity to learn, to understand, and to have a better respect for what somebody who is not fully able goes through. One of the challenges that I have I thought Leslie was the, the one who was going to do that. No. All right. What we're doing is we're providing funding today. Actually, we provided funding uh, about a month ago. Announced the funding about a month ago for a virtual reality time in my shoes. It gives an opportunity then for somebody like myself who doesn't understand, has never had to face some of those challenges, to see what it's actually like to face those challenges. And it gives an opportunity then for everybody to understand why universal design is the way that we should be going. Why we should be looking at everything that we do, making it so that it's accessible for everybody. If I design something from the very beginning, whether it's getting into your building, whether it's a bus route, whether it is whatever you can think of, doesn't matter. If I make it so that somebody who's in a wheelchair can use it, if I make it so somebody who uses a guide dog can use it, then somebody who isn't in a wheelchair can use it. Somebody who doesn't need a guide dog can use it. Somebody who may be deaf, if I design it so they can use it, then someone who can hear can also use it. And it makes it so that everybody has access to it. I'll touch on a, a very personal story. When I first got elected, I looked at the office that our previous MPP had. It was not wheelchair accessible. It was not barrier-free. And there was no possible way for me to make it barrier-free. There was no possible way for me to make it wheelchair accessible. So I made the decision to move. And we moved to a strip plaza. It was on the edge of Peterborough. I, I admit it was on the edge of, of Peterborough. But it was a big, wide-open space. We could start barrier-free. It took us 14 weeks to convert the bathroom to make it wheelchair accessible. In my personal opinion, that's 12 weeks too long. But that's the process that we had to go through to make it wheelchair accessible. And there were people who attacked me for it. Why did I move from downtown? Why did I go to this location? All I needed to do was put in a ramp, was one of the things that was said, so that I could make it wheelchair accessible. It was the total lack of understanding so many people in our community have. From my perspective, and it is my own perspective, my job as the MPP is to advocate for everybody in our community. My job as the MPP is to listen to what those challenges are, to try and understand what those challenges are. And if I didn't do things to make it so that everyone could come to my office, to talk to me, so that everyone had equal access to me, I was not doing my job. And I had so many people in this community who attacked me for it. I was disappointed by it. For those of you who don't know, 
Andrea Dodsworth, the chair of Council for Persons with Disability, is one of my constituent assistants. Andrea provides us with a perspective I would never have because I've never spent significant time in a wheelchair. The time I've spent in the wheelchair is because I broke both of my legs, because I broke my hip. Those things. But that was temporary. I've never been in a position where I wasn't able to see. I've never been in a position where I didn't have the ability to hear what was going on. If I'm going to be representing the people of this riding, I need to make sure that I'm representing everybody in this riding. And the only way I can do that is if I take those measures to make sure that every single person can come forward and share with me what their stories are, what their challenges are, so that we can make things better. I'm not going to be able to do that every single day. I'm not going to get to that finish line right off the bat. But if I don't at least start, if I don't make that effort from the very beginning, then I will never get to a point where we're making it better. Andrea provides us with a perspective we would not have otherwise. Andrea provides us with life experience that we would not have otherwise. Andrea has lived through this, going through all of the red tape that you have to go through and the barriers that governments put in place that stop you from having that full quality of life. She understands that. She's had to live it herself. And because of that, she's able to advocate and make positive changes in the way that we approach things. I don't get it right every time. But we make the attempt to try and start to get it right. And we do that because we have somebody in the office who has your back, who has your voice, who understands and knows what needs to be done. And we are trying very hard to do those things. And every time I pick up the phone and I call Minister Cho's office and I say, this is what we need to do, here's the challenge that we have. The first response is, how can we help? And it is so refreshing because that is not always the response that you get from government. How can we help? What can we do? Today's announcement is one of those things. It's a small amount of money in the grand scheme of things. It, it, it truly is. It's a small amount of money. But it makes such a massive difference. Having the ability for anyone to go through the Time in My Shoes program, to see what it's like, to experience what it's like, even if it's just momentarily, you get a far better understanding of what life is like. And our job as elected officials is to try and make life easier for everyone. And we're not doing our job if we're not doing things to have a better understanding to make life better for everyone. So I'm, as I said, I'm like a kid in a candy store because I can't wait to put the virtual reality goggles on and actually do this. And it's something that I think that everybody in our community should do. I'm looking at the back and I see Jason King. Jason is, is, is we're setting up the Time in My Shoes uh, program, likely the, the week between, uh, the week of March 11th to the uh, 15th in my office so that everybody in my office can understand a little bit better about what life is like if you don't have all of the abilities that everyone else has. And this gives us a great way of doing it. Thank you very much. I know I rambled on. Thank you very much. Well, these two gentlemen have been a little modest. We want to let you know that the amount of money that did come to TPD from, um, from this grant is $26,340. And that's created a program that is 
phenomenal. When you, if anybody can hear some flippy goggles on and try it later, in just a few minutes, you're going to love it. Now, I'm going to tell you, we have some superheroes in the room today. They've been quietly lurking amongst you. So, uh, superheroes, you have your capes. Please put on your capes. And now you get to find out why we are going with superheroes. Our vice chair, Leslie Yee, is going to tell you about um, an event we have coming up. And we're just going to include this virtual reality technology. I'm sorry, Leslie and Akira, I could not forget the dog. Oh my gosh. Good morning. There we go. So thank you everyone for being here. My name is Leslie and this is my guide dog Akira. We have the great privilege of announcing our upcoming special event titled Capable Con and it is happening on Saturday, June 4th. Uh, just to let everyone know, we have developed the Capables crew and you'll be able to see the Capables crew at the Capable Con. Capable Con is a play on words for Comic-Con, for those of you that know what Comic-Con is. It will be a fun-filled family day event. Come meet the Capables. There will be activities for the whole family, and you get to meet other members of our community. So save the date, Saturday, June 4th. Mariah at the back, there she is. She, with the red cape, she has some wonderful flyers about our event that I encourage everybody to take home and take a few extra if you'd like to share with family and friends. Um, we at CPD, we hope to see everybody there. And uh, again, save the date, Saturday, June 4th. You'll see a lot more happening about that day um, as the months progress. Thank you. Thank you for the funding, thank you for the enthusiasm, thank you to the volunteers who are in the crowd who are uh, helping us pull the, this together, and thanks for those of you who are about to test it and then tell people how much fun it is. So we are going to be running the program, uh, look for the goggles, towards the back I guess? Yes, towards the back. Uh, we are wrapped up the official pieces, uh, we're going to have people stay at the front to do some photos with the media that are here. And if anybody has any questions, they can come and talk to us anytime. We are, uh, we love talking to people, we love listening to people. So thank you. Have a great day, everyone. And on that happy note, we'll finish this edition of Insight Peterborough. Thanks so much for listening, and I do hope that you'll be able to join me next week. Until then, have a terrific seven days. Bye for now.